Welcome, everybody. Mike, you've got a fun background. Are you? You're not still in Brazil, are you? Yeah, I'm still here. Wow. I'll be here. I'll be here until April. Oh wow. Yeah. That's so, exciting. And it's it's very hot. So now you're seeing me in uh, in beach clothes and sweating. So. <laughs> oh boy. Well, cool. All right, well, it looks like we're all uh, old timers here. So, oh, there's Sam and Kevin. Ah, yeah, you have your hand up. Why don't you go ahead? All right, <coughs> can you hear me? It's a bit, Yeah. maybe the connection is a bit weird, but. Um, oh, let me tell you. So I have great news here. So, yeah, go ahead. Um, I was on a retreat last weekend <clears throat> with Tucker huh. um, and it seems that I managed to reach stage 10 on the oh. yeah yeah it was it was pretty insane um, and um, yeah well uh, <laughs> I'm still like uh, amazed by what happened and um, still what is happening um but um well the, the the thing is so i i've been practicing like almost two hours every day and then sometimes i managed to reach like stage eight at home uh, and sometimes it was like lower um and then i went on this retreat with tucker and Leida. it was three days and um well, i have scoliosis so when i sit for a longer time i get back pain um so what happened the first day was mostly like um, I'm trying to get concentrated. When I was concentrated, the pain wasn't an issue, but sometimes I couldn't get concentrated because of the pain. At least that seemed that way. Um, and then the next day I had a talk with Tucker about like um, what I should do and also about the path I've been on. And I told him about like everything that happened and he suspected that I hit stream entry yep. um, in that um, insight in ourselves. Also because of the dreams, um, uh, I had and we talked about that as well um, so he suggested the same as Nick I also had a talk with Nick that I should do Vipassana only um, and stop following TMI um, so what he suggested um, was um, actually meditating on the mind or like ch choiceless attention but with a metacognitive uh, introspective awareness high so I could observe the whole mind. And the second day, what I saw was um, each time I had pain, my mind just contracted to the pain and began shaking. And this was constantly happening. So I really observed that. And when I observed the pain, um, my mind grew calm again and spacious and the pain was okay. Then the next day, the next day was the final day was where it all happened. Um, in the morning, I sat down um, and I decided to do this again because Tucker said, like, awesome, you should keep doing this. Um, then in the morning, I came in a state, not of great pity, but my body became fully numb and relaxed. And I had this white light and I could observe everything calmly, like, just, like, perfect. And that that just, like, stayed the whole morning. And then I had another talk with Tucker and he said, like, yeah, that's physical pliancy stage nine 
Um, and then later in the afternoon, um, I just continue with this. And then I enter this like, like empty stream of consciousness where every like experience was the same. So sound was the same as pain. Everything was just the same, but it was like kind of cool, uh, everything. Um, yeah, it was just like to the same level of like, awesome, like, oh, this is pain. Oh, this is sound. Like, oh, this is so cool. Like, um, and then, um, uh, yeah, after that, uh, after the sit was done, um, this lasted for two and a half hours. So after the sit was done, I was like kind of high, like everything was so cool. And I was still like, whoa, like I could observe everything brightly and was very calm, but also like mentally super clear and I had zero version, zero desires. Um, yeah. And yeah, I was just in a state for two and a half hours after the retreat, and after the sits. Um, and I talked to Jeremy about that because he was a substitute for Tucker in uh, his class. And he uh, thought that it was like stage 10. That sounds like stage 10. Um, and um, yeah, after that, it's, yeah, it's still... Um, and now I'm doing just Vipassana. Um, I'm, I picked up Mahasi noting from Daniel Ingram. Um, I still, um, it, it, like now works pretty well, almost like zero distractions, just can observe everything. The only thing I'm still a bit like weird about is the mental notes you should apply to everything you note. It's a bit, it seems a bit like distracting itself but yes i just like do it um and that goes well and yeah the sits are very calm very i, I think i like i yeah just chill nice calm um and i can observe everything clearly uh but <laughs> yeah it was uh, a hell of a weekend that's awesome was this uh in, in europe somewhere yeah, in Leiden, in uh, the ah, Netherlands, nice. um, where I live. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, um, uh, Daniel Ingram actually did a video that you might find really helpful uh, for negotiating the, um, the the point that you were mentioning about uh, noting being a distraction or, or the, the, the labeling being a distraction. Um, and I am not sure I'll be able to track it down, but... Um, I'm going to try and track it down for you because if you haven't already seen it, it's, it's Daniel, it's, it's a typical Daniel video. So he's like, he's like uh, looking kind of, he's talking and he looks kind of like a space alien while he's talking. And, but, but what he describes is basically exactly, exactly the, the thing that I think you need to, to, well, how do I know, but it sounds like you might benefit from, from watching the video. So I'll see if I can track that down. Um, so, uh, but, Yay. That's really awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, uh, maybe like, I, I think like there, there, yeah, there were a lot of things happening. So the empty stream of consciousness was the most amazing thing ever mm -hmm. I've experienced. Like, like, well, everything is empty, like so clearly in front of me. Um, and, uh, there might've also been like, um, cessations happening. So I noticed like very subtle, Discontinuities in time 
also the days after the retreat. So there was like just a fraction of a second. It was like, like very short. And it was like, wait, what's that? Like, what the fuck? But it wasn't that like super obvious. Uh Um, And yeah, so, so much stuff happened and I'm just exploring, exploring like everything that happened. And yeah, this, this week has been very uh, cool. Um, uh, I had like, I still have um, less desires and aversions to everything. Mm -hmm. I notice like I'm more chill with everything. Um, And yeah, that was maybe a bit of a problem with university, but I think I can manage that. um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for sharing that. That's a that was a, a really intriguing description. Yeah, no problem. Cool. All right. Uh, so I'll tr- I'll try and track down that video for you, Rodrigo. You have your hand up. Yeah. Hi. Hi. Um, I'm still working on stage five, and the last couple of weeks uh, it's been going well but uh, I had some some trouble with well when I was uh, in stage four I had a problem that whenever I focused on on my nose I would get uh, a lot of tension both in the nose and uh, on my forehead and because of that I switched for to paying attention to my chest for a while and that uh, helped ease it up. But after I returned to, to my breath, I, I didn't actually return to the nose. I returned to some somewhere in my head, but I have been noticing that I, I, I wasn't paying attention to the, the breath at the nose. I was paying attention to something that I don't know what it is. Maybe it was the fact that I was breathing, but it was not the sensation of, of the breath. And now in, in stage five, what I have been noticing is that if I go to the body scan, sometimes that works well, but sometimes uh, my awareness collapses. So I have to come back to the, to the nose. And, but at the same time, at the nose, I, I, I don't sense the sensations, if that makes sense. I just pay attention to, to that point inside my head and I keep it there. And I have been trying to use intention to bring the sensations of the nose uh, to the fore. And that has worked, but not very well. Sometimes I get back to having tension, in, especially in the bridge of the nose. And sometimes it just d- doesn't work. And I'm not sure if I should uh, focus on bringing the, the sensations first and then working on the body scan, or if I should use the body scan to increase my well, uh, my conscious power and then try to to bring the sensations of the breath. Because, well, uh, another thing that I that I have been using since stage four was a little bit of the meditation on the elements that. Uh, Chiladasa talks about in, in the book. I actually learned about it uh, before reading the book, and I found that that actually helps me with both not uh, collecting awareness and with creating a little bit more of conscious powers. 
So I have been switching from trying to bring the, the, the sensations to the fore, sometimes trying to, to test the body scanning, see if it goes well, or if nothing works, I go back to the elements, but I'm, I'm still unsure what to do. It have to, I, I, don't, I can say it has been hard, but uh, I feel that I, like I'm, I don't actually know what, what I should be doing. So, any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think Sam is actually probably more more uh, experienced with what you're struggling with than I am. Um, so, uh, I'm curious. It's the 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 question that comes up for me is whether the thing that you're describing as the breath is the acquired appearance, or the not the breath, but the fact that the breath is there is the acquired appearance of the breath. Yeah. Or whether I it's not. Know. Right. I don't know. Um, uh, I have thought about it, but I, I don't, don't have an ex enough experience to, to tell. Does it feel like it's got something to it, or is it just like a thing? Is it, is it like a unit, or is it like a, a, a you know what I mean? Is it like a, a just like yes or no, or is it um, like sort of structured? I'm not sure if I understand. Uh, is it, is it, uh, is it, is it simply there or not there, or is it um, is there some detail to it, some some something more than just that it's there or that it's not there? No, it's more like it's there or not there. Actually, uh, in one of the sessions you talked about uh, how we use actually as if attention was a subset of awareness. So you have a, a, something like that. I, I, I might be misquoting, yeah. but you have awareness and then a subset is attention is so i have always found easier to work with awareness than with attention so mm -hmm. what i did was i hold attention and then in the middle i hold i pay attention to the fact that i'm breathing okay i'm paying attention of course not not discursively but i know that i'm paying attention and i know that i that i've been distracted for some reason and i know that i've came back but i don't know what i came back to I came back, but to what, I don't know. Okay, that makes sense. So that's what I'm calling the fact that I'm breathing. I am aware of the fact that I'm breathing, but I'm not aware of any specific sensation. So if I were to describe... And I that I'm not aware of sensations, because when I try to bring the, the sensations to the fore, and that works, I notice that it's different. It, it's different. So I can tell that, that it, it's not the same. Yeah, so, so when you... Um... When you bring your attention to uh, breaths, it came and then went. Um, so you bring your attention to the breath, uh, and so so essentially, would it be fair to describe what you're doing as bringing your attention to the question of the breath? Yeah, maybe. You know I mean? Yeah. 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 So I don't. I, I suspect that's not the acquired appearance of the breath. It sounds like uh, there may be some fruitfulness to investigating why you get a ten, why you get tension when you try to experience sensations of the breath. Yeah. Uh, you might make that your your question, and see if that yeah. changes anything. But I having have, said that, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, I have I have tried to to figure that out, and uh, I have a, a few, I don't know, hypotheses. And one of them is, is that earlier, uh, actually before starting TMI, 
I did a lot of, uh, of walking meditation, uh, usually especially some kind of vipassana. So I was very used to relating my attention to my visual field because I was walking. Yep. So at first, I found out that my attention when I closed my eyes was linked to my, my, my eyes. So I noticed that my eyes looking at my nose created attention. Uh, yes. Attention created tension. Yep. So I tried to ease that up. And nowadays, when I try to bring the, bring the, the sensations to the fore, what I notice is that I, I try to feel my nose before the sensations come. So I think that movement is what, brings, what creates the tension. And that's what, I, what I've been working with, but I'm not sure. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds pretty, that sounds makes sense. Um, but maybe Sam, you could talk to the, do, do you feel like talking about the uh, sort of the, the tension that he's going through also? Um, yeah, I mean, what comes to mind for me, um, uh, so it sounds like, uh, not the acquired, uh, appearance because there, uh, it sounds more like a mental projection of what the breath is. Um, but, I'm not, I'm uh, not sure. let, let me, let me see if I understand what you mean by acquired appearance and the mental projection. What are you, what, what, how do you differentiate between those? So, when you when you get to the acquired appearance, it's it's sort of like you're decoupling your concept of what the breath is from the actual sensations of the breath, and the location in space and the the, um, the thing in your mind that like says. These, this is my nose and my nose is feeling these breath sensations kind of just isn't relevant and the only thing that's registering is the sensations themselves. Yeah, that, that's why, why it's throwing me off because I don't have any of those. I, I do not feel my nose. I do not concept, okay, this, I am, I'm breathing in or I'm breathing out. I just feel something that I, I'm, I'm not sure if feeling is, is the right word, but I pay attention to something that I know is not a sensation of my breath but it's, at the same time, I wouldn't say it's conceptualized. Uh, I, I, that's why I, I said that I was feeling the, the awareness and in the center of it, the, the, the breath or something that I was paying attention to. But it's not something like I was thinking about my nose or my in-breath or my out-breath. It's just the attention is sitting there as if that's, that's actually the feeling. It feels as if I'm sitting in the middle of my, my head and just waiting. So I get distracted and I come back. I get distracted and I come back. But I don't, I don't think that there is any, at least not discursive uh, conceptualization of the nose or anything like that. So that's why I'm, I don't know if, uh, if that's, that's, yeah, I don't know. Well, um, is what you're, is what you're experiencing vivid and uh, distinct? Yeah, in some, in some, uh, if my my awareness and my attention are in a good place, yeah. But, but it's not. It doesn't have a specific characteristic. I, I couldn't say, oh, it's it's it has this feature or that feature. I just I'm, either I'm paying attention or I'm distracted. So I'm either there, sitting there, and holding the that attention, 
uh, or actually now I'm trying to hold it, the intention, or I'm distracted with something. And I can I can tell that I'm getting dull, or I can tell that I'm I'm more more aware, but there isn't a specific sensation. That's what I'm saying. It's just a feeling that I'm sitting there. I'm just sitting in the middle of my head and paying attention. So that's interesting that you say you feel like you're sitting in the middle of your head. Um, does it does it feel like there's a detached observer, like sort of seeing all this and doesn't uh, is not affected by what's observed? Would that be? Uh, in a sense, I'm not sure to what extent. Because um, that sense that like there's some point in inside your head watching things, um, that's similar to um, in some ways to the still point. Um, in, uh, it's a stage eight practice, but you can stumble into this uh, perception uh, before then, and um, that's kind of what you're. That's kind of what it sounds like a little bit. Like there, may, there might be a little subtle dullness there, so it's not quite as uh, yeah. distinct. Oh, there is but, definitely uh, That's my best guess as to what's going on because I, when I was uh, mostly in stage five, I would stumble into that witness state. And um, uh, it's kind of like you described, like you're just uh, experiencing sensations and there's not so much of a concept associated with them. Um, but uh, it, it sounds like maybe there's a little bit more clarity to be uh, had there, if I had to guess. But what, what, what should I prioritize? Should I prioritize to bring the, the sensations, to notice the sensations? Should I prioritize to, to just keep it there and use the body scanning whenever it's possible? That's what I, I, I don't know what to do. Because when my, my, when my awareness is, is, is functioning well, it's great. I can sit there and uh, I can manage the, the subtle dullness, but and even after the session, I, I don't get to space here, nothing, nothing like that. But I, I know that there is dullness, and I know that I, I'm not feeling the sensations. So I don't know if I should first try to bring the sensations to the fore, or first, I don't know, the body scanning or anything like that. So um, I would say uh, in stage five, like there, there's really no such thing as not dullness, really. I mean, it's like kind of like a continuum. Um, in you know like unconsciousness would be pretty much the maximum amount of dullness and then uh you know there's like a continuum from that until like i just took a shot of adrenaline and i'm like skydiving or something so i mean even then there's there's going to be a non-perceiving moment in there here and there so i wouldn't get so hung up about like dullness not dullness i would more focus on um Am I, uh, am I increasing the level of alertness that I have over time? And that's really the goal more so than just like reaching some state of non-dullness, which doesn't really exist. Um, but it, it sounds like uh, you're doing good work. Uh, I would just focus on um, sticking with the body scan and from what it sounds like, you're doing it right because there's uh, you're, you're experiencing sensations and there's not so much conceptualization from what it sounds like because you're sort of confused as to what the sensation is. That's good in a way. 
uh, if I can just focus on my foot and I just feel sensation and there's not really so much of a concept of that being a foot, um, that can be uh, an, uh, an insightful experience. Yeah, uh, when I use the body scanning, there is a little more uh, of conceptualization because I have to first, well, where is my hand? I have to find my hand and then pay attention to it. So in, in that sense, I have to, to recreate the conceptualization to find the sensations, but uh, not on, on the breath. And that is my main issue. I don't know if I should be feeling the, the sensation of the breath. Even if, I, if that still point is something that I stumbled on from later on, should I, uh, should I be trying to go back to the sensations itself, themselves of, of the breath? Uh, Would that be a priority? Um, or should I just leave it there at, at this and focus on the body scanning, for example? I would not intend to do any one thing, just focus on if you're doing the body scan and you're trying to feel your foot, try to feel your foot. And it might seem different than trying to feel your foot or it might seem like you're trying to feel your foot. But as long as you're feeling a vivid sensation when you intend to feel your foot, then that's what you're going for. It doesn't necessarily have to be conceptualized into this is my foot and this is the location of my foot um, because that will fall away uh, eventually and that's kind of it, it's kind of like a it, it's, it shows you something about the conceptual the conceptualizing activity of your mind um, so I, I wouldn't say it's a bad thing I would say just keep doing the practice and whatever you whatever you're experiencing just try to like notice it just you know what i mean um yeah that conceptualization will fall away and that can be good to see and you might realize something from that okay. or you might not but that's okay, okay. Um, uh, just to, this is not to say that anything that Sam said is not something you should do because I think it is, but um, in addition to that, uh, one thing that you might want to, to notice is if you feel like there's a struggle going on, like if you're struggling to see a sense or to experience a sensation uh, when you're in that state where you're, where you're, you feel like you're, you don't have like massive dullness, but you you know, so you're, you're in that state where you can tell whether or not you're dull, basically, and you can tell whether or not you're on the breath. Uh, if you feel like you're struggling there, it might be worth, uh, instead of struggling to feel a sensation of the breath, um, try to uh, notice, because essentially you're, you're almost checking in at that point, right? Like there's, there's a very sort of cognitive activity going on there. Yeah. Uh, and so instead of struggling to cease to find sensations of the breath, uh, notice how bright awareness is. Because you were saying earlier when you do the body scan, sometimes awareness collapses. So, so yes. obviously there's, there's a knob to turn there. There's, there's some tweaking to do. And so, uh, so see if you can be more, more uh, aware of how bright awareness is. Um, Even without the sensations of, of the breath. 
Yeah, so if there's no breath, so, so maybe this, it might help to, to point out that if there are no breath sensations, that doesn't mean that there are no sensations, right? Sure. Uh, there are since, and, and by the way, there are breath sensations, right? I mean, if, you know, if you're not experiencing breath sensations, it's not because they're not there. It's because of something else. So, um, so, so when you're in this state, um, what could be helpful? So, so if you're, if you're alternating back and forth between the body scan and the, the following the breath or the zero point or whatever it is, um, what's going on there is that you're going to the body scan to try to decrease subtle dullness. And then you're coming back to the breath to see if it worked. So, uh, so one thing you can do is you can just, when you're on the breath, you can just sort of, sort of try to develop this ability in, in, in your peripheral awareness to notice uh, whether there are a lot of sensations in the body or, or notice sensations in the body, not in the sense of noticing them in attention, but just being aware of whether they're there. Um, and what can help with that is that what you want is to be aware that they're there. Like, like, it should feel like there are a lot of sensations going on while you're doing this. If you don't feel like there are a lot of sensations going on and you're not in some like, you know, pacification of the senses place, then the only reason that you're not feeling that is because you have subtle dullness. So, so noticing how much of that you experience is, uh, is a, is a good pointer. And then, uh, so you can, you can, uh, and I say this because this is something I've been doing in my practice recently. You can turn, you can try to turn up the dial on 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 your uh, mental energy by just like noticing whether there are a lot of sensations and intending for there to be a lot of sensations and awareness. But then attention is sorting out those sensations that are the breath sensations. So so there are lots of sensations, just like you know we're sitting here and we see in our peripheral vision all of this stuff, but we're actually looking at the screen. You want yeah. there to be a lot of stuff, and you want to be looking at the stuff that's what you're what you intend to look at. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I would I would play around with all of this stuff. I think Sam Sam's given you some good stuff to play around with. I hope I have too. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, see what happens this week. Yeah. Thank you. Sure. Thanks for the question. Hey, um, can I jump in here for a moment? You can. I, uh, Rodrigo, I just had a, you know, a thought occurred to me while you were speaking and I'm not sure if it'll, uh, be helpful at all, but, um, as you're trying to, you know, find the sensation, the breast sensations at the nostrils, I was wondering if maybe your attention is alternating not to, like, it sounds like it's not alternating to discursive thought, but perhaps there's a subtle, like, mental image that's become the object of your attention and, it might be obscuring your um, ability to sense the, the physical breath sensations. Do you think that's possible? Yeah, it's possible. I'm not sure, but yeah. Okay. Just put that out there. Sure, I'll pay attention to that. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I have a question. Do you know that you're breathing in and know that you're breathing out? Um, I can know that I'm breathing in, but uh, it's not necessarily something that I'm, I'm paying attention to. Uh, I usually just just I'm just worried about noticing when I I get distracted or noticing when I get too dull. So if I okay, am I breathing in? I can pay attention to that, but it's not something that is 
that is always there. Well, but um, you, I mean, can you do that when you uh, can't find the breath sensation? Yeah, yeah, you can. Yeah, you, well, you mean if, if I choose to pay attention to the fact that I'm breathing in or breathing out, if I can do that? Yeah, I can. I, it's just, that's what, what I was calling the, the fact that I'm breathing, but not the sensations, because I know that I'm breathing in and I know that I'm breathing out if I choose to, but it's not any particular sensation. That's what I, I, I'm confused about. Well, to me, what it just sounds like is just the sensations that you got accustomed to uh, relating as the breath um, are starting to uh, kind of go away, right? So uh, that's, that's definitely a sign of progress. And it just, I don't know, I think it's just as much as possible being present um, moment to moment and seeing what's different moment. Like what, you know, like the, the sensations just get subtler, but like you kind of have to listen uh, more. But I mean, I, I actually would, um, my experience of it is actually you, you do rely less on attention. Um, you just kind of have to, um, because if you, are trying to find uh or at least yeah what, what can happen is like you can be almost straining more to to to, to, to find those uh sensations in attention and it's just like it doesn't work <laughs> okay. so i don't know that's just something throughout there as well yeah yeah Uh, yeah, I just want to, Gilbert, what do you mean, um, what's the alternative to, uh, to trying to find breath sensations with attention? Uh, it, it seems like, um, like that should be kind of the goal after a stage five body scan should be this more vivid attention. Um, are, you, are you suggesting that even in that, that setting, it should still just focus on what's in awareness? The, the ultimate goal is uh, more vivid awareness. Uh, yeah, I know that's the ultimate goal, but uh, the more proximal goals, I, I guess, I don't know how, how those would uh, be worked with. Well, I mean, in part, kind of what he's, what he's describing is, is jumping up a little bit. It, it sounds like he's jumping up in terms of um, issues with a higher stage, and he can kind of go back and forth. But... Uh, you know, I mean, I, I think it's important to point out is um, sort of you, you pay attention to, you start paying attention more to awareness in a sense. You, you, you are focusing on attention, but um, just the spotlight, you know, scope just stopped working quite so well. <laughs> and actually, like, I think, I think that's a good thing. You know, you start looking at things a little bit more holistically and then you start trying to see what um, is all you can be aware of, right? And so like when he was saying, um, you know, does he know that he's breathing in? Does he, or when I asked, him, does he know that he's breathing out? I mean, those are sensations, right? That's, that's, it's basically the same thing, but yet it's a different form of knowing. And it's, um, 
it's subtler, but, and actually that's kind of what we're, that's what, I, what I'm trying to say, like to, if he start, could start directing his attention to that maybe, to see, um, you know, I mean, it's kind of a question, how do you know whether you're in the in-breath or in the out-breath if you can't, quote, find the sensations of the breath? I mean, you know, there's, so it's kind of paying attention to a slightly uh, different set of sensations, but those sensations are not, they're not so much attention, uh, and, and there's not, they're definitely not so much um, the sensations at the nose that you thought, which, I mean, I, you know, which seems like are just a bunch of kind of uh, mental projections that you added on to the act of breathing. <laughs> you know, when, I, when I'm breathing in, okay, this is what the, breathe, in, the inhalation is going to feel like, right? And this is what the exhalation is going to feel like. So to me, it just sounds like some of, some of that mental projection is kind of dropping away. Um, and so, you know, what, whatever sensations are there are just getting subtler. And so trying to, you know, force back the mental projection, um, you know, doesn't seem like, you know, that's that, that good and good good idea i do think he should continue doing the body scanning though for sure yeah um i just i just think he's getting he's uh you know he might be at the place where uh and if the sensations at the nose are likely just going to continue to be uh less of a sure thing less of that same strong you know sensation uh can I try and rephrase what you're saying there, Gilbert? Because I, I think that, um, uh, yeah, yeah. So, so one way to think about this is like, you know, uh, you've been you've been sitting in front of a conveyor belt, and, and basically you're trying to sort out all of the recycling stuff from all of the trash. And so the, the 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 conveyor belt is going by, and there are bits of trash on it, and there are bits of recycling on it, and you're going like, boop, recycling, boop, recycling, boop, recycling, right? You're noticing, and those are the sensations of the breath, and and, and now um, the thing is that, that as you've been doing this practice, the assembly line has changed and now the trash is being like shredded into little bits. And so what's coming down the assembly line is not the same stuff. And so if you're looking for like a milk bottle, which is recyclable, you're not gonna see one because it's not there anymore because the mind is no longer producing a milk bottle. It's just producing little fragments of milk bottle. And so if you're trying to see a milk bottle, you're just not gonna see anything. But if you, if you relax that a little bit and try to see, and just try to sort out the things that are parts of milk bottle, then you can see those. But if you're not trying to see those, you won't see them. Or I should say, if you're trying, if you're trying to see milk bottle, you won't see parts of milk bottle. Does that make sense? Is, is that sort of what you were saying, Gilbert? I, I like that explanation, yeah. Mm -hmm. Let me, let me uh, ask you a question then. Uh, when you, when you know the sensations of the breath without the conceptualization, do you still know it's, they are sensations of the breath? Seems like yes. There may come a point where, where the answer is no. Um, but uh, so there's an interesting little section in, in, in the mind illuminated that uh, uh, let's see if, let's see if it's going to flash out of my mind or not. Cause it came into my mind and now I'm, uh, having a little trouble coming up with it. Um, uh, oh yeah, he's talking, I think this is when he's talking about stage five or maybe stage six. And he says, you know, you get to a point where um, 
you your attention is on the sensations of the breath and you're seeing the breath but um you can't you don't you don't know whether it's an in-breath or an out-breath but you know that you could know that it's an in-breath or an out-breath in other words if you if you wanted to investigate it you could know very easily whether it's an in-breath or an out-breath but because you're not investigating it you don't know and so so that was a really interesting little subtlety uh it might be worth I think that's in stage six. I'm not sure, but it might be worth rereading stage six or stage, it might be stage five, just to see if you can, like, uh, if that text says anything new to you than it did last time you read it. Yeah, um, I just wanted to add that as long as you're clear on what your intention is, uh, I think it'll become more clear what exactly you're observing. Like, if your intention is to observe the breath sensations at the nose and just the breath sensations at the nose and eventually your mind will learn to do that and there won't be a concept of in and out breath there'll be just breath sensations at the nose um, or you know even then just breath sensations and it'll just be like vibrating sensations and that's all you're focusing on um, and you could care less whether it's an in-breath or an out-breath, and you can't really even tell unless you switch your attention to it, uh, which is kind of like what Ted was just talking about. Yeah, I also have this theory, which, which may or may not be true, that um, a lot of the way that when we're first starting to do the practice, a lot of the way that we know whether or not something is an in-breath or an out-breath is actually because of a conceptual model that's being built out of information that has nothing to do with the tip of the nose. For example, the movement of the chest, the movement of the air in the throat. Um, we may not have our attention on the movement of the air in the throat or the movement of the air in the chest or the movement of the chest, or we may, but, um, but nevertheless, the mind is still using that to construct our model of what's happening with the breath. And so then we get kind of like the construct plus the sensations. And then as your attention gets more uh, tightly focused, the construct, uh, the, the, the sort of uh, status tracking part of the con construct that's noticing whether we're breathing in or breathing out drops because, because you've actually realized that that's not the sensations of the breath of the nose and so you've excluded it. And so now the sensations of the breath of the nose simply don't have that information. You, you could maybe say, well, this is cold or this is hot and that might tell you that's an in-breath or an out-breath. But you're not going to get it from the model anymore. And in fact, to know that cold or hot is an in-breath or an out-breath really requires you to do more modeling than you're doing at that point. So. <laughs> I think we've dived kind of deep on this one. <laughs> it's a good question. Does anybody have a, uh, another question they'd like to explore? Thanks, Robin. If nobody has anything to, to say, I have more questions. Why not? Yeah, uh, well, if anyone wants to interrupt because I'm taking too much time, please do. Uh, Still related to, to stage five, one thing that I've noticed is that 
now I'm learning to to draw uh, effort to a point my, where I can I can still be in, in stable sort of donors, but I, I don't have to manage it so much. So I I can notice that I am getting closer to to not to sleep but to some hypnagogic uh, imagery and. I found that interesting because uh, I thought that hypnagogic imagery was more something of a stage three, maybe I don't know. And it's it's funny because it's like a, I'm switching from stable sort of donors to the the imagery without going through the strong donors. So it's more like something uh, if this is stable sort of donors, this is strong donors, but as if the imagery is the, the same level of the subtle dullness, so just switching back and forth. And I found that one day I was particularly tired and that, that, that was happening and I, I found it interesting. And uh, coincidentally, I'm re reading a book by Robert Johnson. I'm not sure if anyone familiar with him. He's a Jungian uh, psycho, psychoanalytic worker I don't know and he talks about the creative imagination uh, I think and it's like exploring the the, the imagination and the dreamlike uh, part of your mind to to get um, well to know yourself better and I know that it's not something that uh, you you should do at this point because you are trying to not get into to dullness. You're trying not to get used to getting to dullness, but uh, that closeness between subtle dullness and that hypnagogic imagery uh, got me wondering if anyone had worked with that. Have you ever tried to switch uh, intentionally to the imagery and work with that as a psychological tool? I haven't worked with it, but I have like, um, I picked up um, more stuff on lucid dreaming. Um, so I started lucid dreaming like five months ago or something, four months ago. Um, and then um, I had some like sleep problems. I usually woke up at like 6 a.m. and then I was clearly awake. And what I did then was just like um, lay down in my bed. And just uh, focus to do actually a body scan, um, but then after a while you get in this hypnagogic state and you experience like really weird stuff, like you hear sounds that are not there and um, even out of body experiences and like really uh, trippy stuff. But the thing is, I haven't had like any value. I didn't get any value from it except from. Uh, except from getting to a lucid dream um, because um, it's just too vague. You're not concentrated enough and you're not like really witnessing it. Um, it's it's a bit like being on acid. Um, it's really cool. But after you get out, it's like, what the hell happened? And I don't remember that, that much of it. So I'm, I haven't like worked with it or anything. I'm not sure. Um, uh, how that would be possible maybe it is but 
Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead, please. Oh, I was just gonna, I, I think you, you should go first because I have something that's a little more meta. Okay. It's funny understand about having sound that weren't there. One thing that I've noticed uh, during the last few sessions uh, that I've been doing in stage five is that uh, when I when I'm at the end of the session and the gong uh, rings, uh, I can see my visual field changes with the gong. I found that super funny, and I don't know if it's. Uh, relevant or not, but I find it interesting because uh, every time the gong goes, my visual field, even with my eyes closed, they, it, it flickers with the gong on the fine. I see that too. Do you get startled by the gong, Rodrigo? Depends. Usually uh, at this point, no. But uh, if I am too, uh, too tired or too dull, yeah, sometimes I do. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I've, I've experienced that same type of thing where um, seeing seeing sounds in the environment, basically, like um, I've gotten into states that there's like a nimita type thing and like this thing will move depending on what the sounds are in the environment. Um, and uh, I, I think it might be, it, there might be more to it than just dullness in your case. Um, I think this this could be. It, it might not be what it appears to be. I'm not really. It's hard. To, it's hard to say without like being you. But yeah. um, if you're like mindfully aware of this stuff, then as long as you're mindfully aware, um, I wouldn't be too strict about not uh, not just letting it happen every now and then. Sure. Uh, cause you know, that kind of stuff, um, people talk about that kind of stuff in equanimity, in the insight stage equanimity, like, um, dreamy stuff. And, um, it can be, it's sometimes hard to differentiate that between dullness. Um, and there, there can be dullness in that sort of, uh, phase, but sometimes it's good to just let things happen and just see where it goes and because at, at the end of the day like uh, you're not really in control of the mind anyway so sometimes it's good to just see okay what's what's going to happen if i just pay attention to what's going on and ne not necessarily try to control things um so i mean to a point you know So the, the meta thing that I was going to say on that topic is that um, one thing that's probably going on here and what, what probably makes it feel different to you now than it felt when you were, say, in stage three is you now have a great deal more metacognitive awareness, introspective awareness. Um, and so when dullness happens, you can have the same, the same uh, balance of per perceiving mind moments of attention to non-perceiving mind moments of attention while you have a great deal more awareness of what's happening in attention. And so that would explain why it feels like you're going straight from subtle dullness to hypnagogia, because at this point, because um, dullness, is, dullness is like both attention and awareness, right? 
but um, the, the balance of attention and awareness is now different than it was. And so, so you can have a lot more perceiving mind moments that are just an awareness where attention is not really involved. Uh, and by the way, this is just my own theories about this. I'm not claiming that this is what Chuladasa teaches or something like that, but this is just based on my own experiences. It feels like you can get to a place where you can actually have, uh, you can be almost completely in a dream state, basically almost like Jan's uh, lucid dreaming in your meditation and be fully aware at the same time. And so, uh, and I, my personal feeling about that is, yes, it's interesting, but it's not actually what I'm trying to do right now. So, so that's my, my, my main objection to it is just like, you know, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to stabilize my attention. And if my attention kind of vanishes, then I can't stabilize it. So, so I tend to not consider that to be a desirable state. But it is interesting, that's for sure. Sure, maybe something to to explore when I, I have a better grip on it. Yeah, yeah well, one of the things I, I have been, been thinking about is actually at this moment, stage five is interesting in itself. So I don't feel like I, I need to explore this with other things. And you can, if you like, you can set an alarm for 6 a.m. and uh, <laughs> do, do the wild technique. That's what it, That's what it's called. Um, there's a book from Stephen Laberge. Yeah, yeah, exploring the world of lucid dreaming. So, uh, but I've always found that anytime I try to meditate or to do anything of that type of thing in my bed, I get awake and I don't go back to sleep. So uh, I just have to meditate while sitting because if I meditate on my bed, I I don't sleep. What happens if you try to do it when you're when you're going to sleep as opposed to when you wake up? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's even worse. Uh, sometimes okay. I have to, to specifically because it it turns into habits to pay attention to the breath and something mm -hmm. like that. Uh, I have to specifically ignore my breath and just go to sleep. Okay, I'm going to sleep and I can't meditate because if I start paying attention, then I, I'm awake and I, I can't sleep anymore. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, it's annoying because sometimes it it, 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 it it won't be useful, but yeah. Yeah. Well, I would put I would just put that on the shelf. You may find that that shifts over time. You know, as as you get more able to be intentional, you may find that you can intend to go to sleep, um, and then and then you know the, the the issue that you're having with meditating on the on the pillow won't be such a big deal. Uh, so, uh, Mike, you have a, a question? You're muted. Yeah, um, it's a little, can you hear me okay? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, based on what Sam was saying, because that was kind of my, uh, my week was um, not really too focused. It was more like I just wanted to kind of see what came up, and there's been a I guess... I don't know if I would call them insights, but just uh, observations about things. Um, but they weren't too focused. So I wanted to ask Sam um, if you, if you, when you mentioned uh, it's good to notice these things and see kind of interesting things um, to a certain point. And I feel like I've been doing that, and I don't know what that point is. So I was wondering if you, if you might elaborate uh, a little bit on what you mean.
think you might be muted. So, um, that's really tough to tell, I guess. Um, normally, like from my experience, I've had that type of thing happen um, before having fruitions. Um, and it's, it's associated with this high equanimity stage of insight. Um, and I've noticed sometimes when you're in that, that space, um, you have to like let go of what your what your plan is, right? And like let go of what your agenda is, and um, that can be um, a key insight that um, like once once desire drops, um, you have to you, you have to kind of like let go basically uh, for those things to happen, um, and you know. In other cases, um, I think it can just be interesting to just to, just to let the mind do what it's going to do because you might figure out that maybe maybe my awareness is stronger than I thought it was, and um, if I just let things happen, you know, maybe something will automatically correct for itself, and you you would have never known if you didn't just uh, sort of ease up a little bit. Um, So, I mean, there comes a point where if you reach a certain level of mindfulness, um, to be able to tell what's going on, even if it's not quite um, according to the plan, if you can have some metacognitive awareness of, you know, still intact, um, that can be good because I've found through my own practice that there's a certain, like, almost instinctual knowledge that the mind has. And with mindfulness, sometimes you can just let it do what it's going to do. And that's oftentimes when, uh, when you have insights, um, is when you let go. Um, so it just, I guess, I guess it depends on how confident you are that you can remain mindful while things like, like, while uh, interesting things are happening. Um, and in the earlier stages, uh, it, you don't have as much mindfulness developed most of the time. There can be times where there's a lot of mindfulness and, uh, you know, um, so I, I think it's just uh, it's just a matter of how mindful you are, like how aware you are of what your mind is doing. Um, but I, I don't think that would necessarily be the greatest advice for everyone um, to just to just see what happens. Like um, normally, you want to have a plan, I think, because <laughs> um, then then we just we would just be sitting there um, just daydreaming most of the time. But uh, once, I mean, I don't know. Um, that's kind of my take on it. Thanks. Yeah, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned that because I feel like this past week is similar. It's what I've kind of been doing. Um, I'll just share real quickly because it's not like super interesting for, for everybody else. But it, I, uh, I think after last week when we talked, I was really, when I was doing the six-point prep, 
I came to the expectation stage and I really had to be honest with myself and intellectually I knew not to expect things but I've been expecting things to happen during my meditation or having expectations about how my practice will go so I, I think last week at that point I realized that during the during the expectation prep and I said okay I try to let that go now like what's going to happen and the the meditation that I had after that I um even though I do my normal kind of go for the breath and, and, and observe that, I started to observe some different things like when I have it, when I'm thinking about thoughts, how do they display in my mind? Are they images? Do they take up my whole vision? Do they overlay when I have my eyes closed, when my eyes are open and I'm thinking about something, a past or future event? Does it take up my whole vision? Is it overlaid image? How does it go? And then I... Uh, and then I started thinking about how thoughts are formed in my mind, how I'm talking about them and how they are like ling language and stuff. So it's really interesting because those are all, this is a new way of looking at these normal things that have been going on in my, my, my whole life. Um, and the week that kind of proceeded, uh, that proceeded after that was similar to that. So I was thinking about like, uh, let's see, I was like writing in my journal. Um, yeah, where, where my mind started to wander a little bit, I could see a little more clearly, like how I got from point A to point Z, uh, thinking about something. So, yeah, it's similar to what you said, because I, I feel like I've been like kind of letting go of, of, of expectations for my meditation and had some interesting insights, but I don't know if they were in there. That's good, but I uh, didn't know if there was a point where you're supposed to say, okay, well, time to tighten up and go and go back to, to the breath and not, not look yeah, for I those anymore. Yeah, I would say, um, in general, probably stick to a plan and an intention. But if you ever feel like you're getting too tight, um, it can be good to just loosen up and just let things happen for a few minutes. And um, it's good to stay balanced like that because, um, yeah, I mean, a lot of the stuff that happens in meditation that shows you something is happening when you're not trying to control things and when you sort of let go and get this uh, idea temporarily even out of the way that like I'm in control here and I'm in, you know, I'm, I'm the one in charge. Even if that illusion temporarily drops and you have some residual, uh, mindfulness going and things are clear that's really when uh at least in my experience that's really when good things happen um so as a general principle i would stay open to to that and just try to try to develop the awareness that okay yes i am dull and this is not productive yes i am mind wandering and this is not productive and learn to differentiate that from a state where okay my mind is wandering, but I'm well aware of my mind wandering, or I'm having a little bit of dullness, but I'm well aware of the dullness. Um, so it's, it's, it's just a matter of, um, that mindfulness, um, because you know, every dullness and distraction are just mind states, just like anything else. Um, um, and they have arguably, I think just as much potential for insight as, you know, a laser sharp 
shredding of the breath into microscopic bits. Um, so I, I would just, just keep an open mind. Yeah. And you can also, when you notice that you're striving too much, uh, do nothing practice. It's just basically choiceless attention. Um, uh, you can also do that. Just do a whole set of like, where's my attention going? I'm not going to try to focus on the breath. Just try to see where my attention is going. See where that leads. That helped me a lot. I mean, I think I, I kind of see TMI as like you build up this habit of mindfulness so that eventually you don't have to try anymore and it just happens automatically. And then once you have that mindfulness going, then it's just like almost just like things just show themselves. But there's a certain amount of building up a habit so that you don't have to focus on it. And that's really what it's all about in like stage one through seven. Um, Sam, I had a question for you if, if there aren't any other questions. I'm waiting. Yeah, sure. um, what does a cessation of fruition feels like to you? Um, so I have, I've noticed a few different types of uh, cessations, uh, and I think, uh, I think they're related to the three doors, but I could be wrong. Um, there's one type of cessation where I experience a visual type of freeze frame phenomena beforehand, and then there's a uh, sometimes it's like a uh, a skipping over and then a very clear sense of coming back and no um, there's just this recollection there's a recollection that there was nothing in that space and then there's usually a lot of joy and contentment wells up after that because there's some kind of residue that's left on the mind that just knows that whatever that was, was really peaceful and awesome. Um, so that's kind of a common theme with the cessations for me is that, that, that like residue that's like leftover afterwards. Um, but the entrance can be different. Um, so sometimes there's the freeze frame thing and um, other times uh, it's almost like I get temporarily distracted almost, or I see that my mind like goes a little bit off in a different direction and then it's like lights out and then I come back. Um, and then other times um, it's more subtle. Like I'll be looking at some sort of vibration or something. And then there's sense that you fall into one of the gaps of the vibrations, like usually like maybe the breath or something like that. Um, so. I notice different kinds of them, but the common thing is uh, it's usually pretty obvious for me. Um, the the first, I don't know, the, for the, when I was first having them, they were super obvious and it would be like, 
uh, you just drop out of something and you can kind of see it coming if you're, uh, if you're paying attention, like you, you sort of sense that there's this contraction and then the next thing you know, you're coming back and there's that residue of just like, whoa, that was awesome. And then there's the joy. Um, and sometimes, you know, sometimes they just happen and it's just like, like really fast. And it's just like, definitely like just something was skipped over, but I didn't necessarily notice the, any kind of entrance or exit. It's just like, like if you had a piece of glass, right. And you broke it and you put the two pieces back together, you would be able to tell like, Oh, there was a break there. And you couldn't necessarily notice the entrance or the exit, but you knew that there was a break. It's kind of like that with all the senses and uh, with like pretty much everything. Um, that's, that's, that's another distinct type of cessation that I've had. Um, but I, I think it depends. It, it really depends. There's a lot, there's a few different types of them. Um, right. Yeah. So I'm really happy for you for one, John, that sounds great that you're at stage 10, man. That's awesome. Um, but these, these cessations that you have and how does that play out for you? Like, what is it, what are you experiencing? Well, yeah, it's more like, um, the latter you talked about more like the, the, it feels like a, a ripple or a fracture in space time where it's just like a moment, like, huh, like, wait this is like different than just just before and like it, it doesn't match or something yeah and there's just like nothing but it's not that uh it's quite subtle it seems for me but why i was wondering this is i noticed it the first time and then the stage 10 thing was like the after like high from two and a half hours which also seemed very similar to like the thing after uh path or like, or after fruition, which Daniel Ingram's describes, where the mind feels very powerful. Um, and yeah, you have this energy like in your head and um, like what he describes was very similar to that. So I was wondering like, oh, maybe it was also cessation. And he said maybe it's the same as stage 10, um, the, where you have equanimity in between sits. Um, so I'm still figuring that out. Um, so what does your practice look like if you just like if you just sit down and start paying attention to what's going on what is what happens yeah so for now um do you mean like in the 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 retreat or just because it's, uh, just like now now i'm doing the the mahasi noting um and um i'm just starting with that because in the retreat at the choiceless attention or meditating on the mind and i was uh, more concentrated than now so I noticed after the days of the retreat I got less concentrated with choices attention and eventually more thoughts came in so I was like okay I need to do maybe a different practice um, so I started doing Mahasi noting and if I do that now I can notice everything but uh, the the noting is a bit weird so uh, for example when I notice the in-breath I notice a lot of sensation, so the in-breath feels a bit crumbly to me. Um, but I'm not sure how to note that. 
with Mahasi noting. So for now, I just know it as in. Um, and I, I can do it with like a lot of sensations. I know a lot of sensations coming in um, um, and try to note as many as possible. Um, but after the retreat, so during the, the last session of the retreat and the retreat, uh, days after the retreat, I noticed these fractions in space time. At least that's how it feels like there's a fraction or a discontinuity in uh, my consciousness or like how I experience stuff. Uh, yeah, that definitely sounds like uh, fruitions. Um, so they might not be as distinct like when you first start having them, but um, if you just keep practicing them, uh, your mind will start to get interested in what the hell happened there and they might get more distinct. And for me, uh, there was a point, there was a, there was a certain period where they were very clear and very, um, just like, like, whoa, you know, like, uh, and then, and then they sort of, they don't have as much oomph after a while because the mind sort of gets, uh, the, gets the point, so to speak. Um, but, uh, I, I, you know, it sounds like things are going great for you. So that's, that's awesome. I would just, just, uh, just pay attention and they might get more clear. They might not. Um, it sounds like you're getting the repeats, which is good. And I, uh, those are good to as, just try to see what state of mind is going on when those happen and try to see the causes and conditions for what makes what makes the mind do that and repeating it is kind of what drills in that insight um, yeah it feels like very um the mind feels very spacious and calm and lets everything come and go without attaching to anything and uh, wanting to get rid of something. Um, so um, what can be really good is to, for a second path, um, you might find that you start getting way more interested in this desire aversion complex thing that your mind does. And there's something very critical to see before the fruition in, in like the very quick mind moments before the fruition happens, there's something to see there that you might try to uh, zoom in on. I mean, don't try too hard, obviously, but uh, try to get interested in that moment before, before the blink out happens. Um, yeah. That can All be right. good. Yeah. I'll just keep on practicing and, yeah, the practice is actually very easy and feels a bit like now, a bit like third jhana. Like uh, it, it has calmed down, so it's not like sage 10 anymore. But when I sit, it's just very calm. I can sit for hours and yeah, just notice like everything that's going on. Um, I could have called this Jan like a few weeks ago. Like I could have called this. I was like, huh, I bet Jan's gonna come today and say, <laughs> I, I, was, I was I was expecting this to happen. So it was awesome, dude. Oh, nice. Thanks. Yeah.
What, what about the jhanas? Um, are you doing those? No, at the moment not because um, because I'm doing vipassana. But I notice when I do the noting, I get really concentrated very quickly. So I could do them, um, but I stopped doing them uh, also because uh, I there's more. I'm more interested in vipassana right now, just exploring the ways the mind work. Um, and Tucker was also a bit wary about it, so he said actually like. Mm, the pleasure jhanas might not be a very good idea. Um, so I just dropped it for now and maybe later. Um, but yeah, for now it's just noting and uh, Vipassana. Yeah, because um, definitely take Tucker's advice, but I um, one thing that you can play around with is just to sitting down and having the intention to go up the jhanas and just seeing what happens. Uh, I, th I feel like that can be a pretty good insight practice uh, because there, there's certain like relation between the Vipassana and the Shamatha. And it's almost like, like you've probably read Daniel Ingram's uh, description of the Vipassana jhanas in his book. Um, it's, it's almost like you're taking those and you're solidifying it to a certain degree. And that's what makes up each of the jhanas. And there's like a certain continuum that you can do that with. You can have more Vipassana. So the, so the jhanic uh, dis distinctions are a little less clear, but you can sort of tell that, okay, so I'm combining this certain mind state into something more solid and that's how I get the first jhana, or I'm combining this sort of AMP uh, constellation of phenomena, and I'm sort of solidifying it a little bit, and that's what gives me second jhana. Um, so I, I've like messed around with that, and it can be kind of fun just to just like see what your mind can do. Because um, like right after a stream entry, it's like pretty powerful. Like you'd be surprised what you can do if you just sit down and like decide to do it. <laughs> it, can be, it can be kind of fun. But right. definitely take Tucker's advice. Tucker's awesome. He, yeah. yeah, he's very funny as well. <laughs> so uh, we had a question in the chat from Bright Morningstar uh, on stage two, the advice to follow the breath, to fully engage the breath. We do that only after introspective. Uh, Attention wakes up the mind from wandering to get back on track, or do we do that for the full session to get stable attention, then, then we drop it. Uh, so, see you later, Jan. Um, so, uh, I mean, what goes on in stage two is that you try to fully engage, you, you try to follow the breath as well as best as you can, and, uh, and then that fails and you start thinking about something else and you completely forget the breath. And, uh, and then you start thinking about something else and you've still forgotten the breath. And then eventually you notice that you forgot the breath and then you do the same thing again until you forget the breath again, at which point obviously you're not doing it anymore because you forgot. So if you're actually in stage two, that's the way it would go. You would, you would try to follow the breath uh, and your, your intention to follow the breath would last for a while and you'd follow the breath for a while and then bam, you'd switch away 
and nothing would happen. Uh, that is to say, you, you'd just be you'd just be doing you know daydreaming. Um, so if you're in stage two, uh, you probably wouldn't. I mean, you keep trying to do that the whole session. Like every time you come back, you do it again. But most of the session, you wouldn't be doing it. In stage three, it's kind of the the other way. Most of the session, you are doing it, but every so often you drop it. And then in stage four, uh, you get to the point where where you're following the breath all the time. And uh, then then whether you decide that you're going to try to closely follow the breath or whether you decide that you're going to do something else kind of depends on, on, on what you're working on. Like if you're really closely following the breath, that can lead to dullness. And so then you may find yourself working on dullness. Um, so you kind, of, you kind of need to actually evaluate which stage you're at so that you can figure out exactly what it is that you're trying to do. Um, and I don't know if that helps or not, but uh, that's... That's my answer to that question. If you if you want to refine the question a little bit, we still have a few minutes, um, and you, you can type it in if you want. It looks like Oscar raised his hand, so maybe we'll let him talk. Oh, here we go. Sorry. Uh, noticing the beginning and noticing the pause. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, well, so so if that's working for the whole section session, then you might try to follow even more closely than that. Um, or you might try to, uh, if, if, if it's just working, then like if you're, if you're able to follow the breath, I don't know if anybody's following the chat, sorry, I didn't read off the question. Uh, if you're following the breath um, successfully for the whole sit, then, and, and you're not landing in gross dullness and you're not landing in gross distraction, then uh, you should probably start doing the stage five practices and that will, that will then, uh, you know, and so, so you would be doing the, you would probably want to do the close following while you're on the breath and then you would switch to scanning the body and then you would go back to close following. Uh, but you may find that you don't have to struggle to close follow anymore, that, that you can just follow it. So, so noticing whether that's a struggle or not can be useful, but also as you get into stage five, you're kind of doing that thing where you're smashing the breath apart a little bit and it becomes more fragmented and you get more small details as opposed to big details. Um, so, uh, so then noticing the, the start of the in-breath and the middle of the breath and the end of the in-breath and the gap and so forth might not be how it would go. Um, but that's something that you can kind of allow the meditation to reveal a little bit. You don't necessarily have to deliberately do that because it'll, a lot of these things will tend to change on their own if you're doing the practice, if you're doing the right practice for the stage that you're at. So, Oscar? Um, yeah, so last week has been going pretty well. Uh, and last meet, meetup was, uh, was great. I've got comfortable uh, with uh, the back and my eyes. But I have this problem that sometimes when I'm practicing in stage three, uh, I can't <laughs> remember to check in. I, I always forget it after one or two times. And, and it's been going on for weeks. I, I, it feels kind of like a ridiculous problem, but, but somehow I, I don't remember to, to do it. So do you have any comments about that? Uh, well, so first of all, uh, if you're if you're having trouble remembering to check in, you might want to just check in more frequently. 
um, see if that works for you. Like, like, you know, you could be checking in like every breath. Yeah. You, you don't need to wait for like 10 breaths or 10 seconds or whatever. You can check in frequently. And then actually it's kind of like you can turn the knob, right? Like, like, you know, do you need to, do you need to check in more or check in less? Is if you get to the point where you're checking in successfully all the time, that's going to become a distraction. Then you might want to check in less frequently, but you probably, if, if, if you're noticing that you're failing to remember to check in, then, you know, that's a thing you can do. Also though, if you're in stage three, forgetting is inevitable, right? Like until, until you get to the point where you're not forgetting anymore, in which case you're not in stage three, you're going to forget. And when you forget, well, that's, that's the practice, right? Is you, you, you notice that you forgot. You're happy that you noticed. You're like, Oh, cool. I noticed. This is what I was trying to do. I was trying to notice that worked great. And then you go back to checking in. Um, just make sure in stage three that you're, that you uh, are not completely on autopilot, right? Like, like if you can, what you want to notice is when gross distractions are happening. If you notice a gross distraction happening, try to go back to the breath. Um, and so, and that's, you know, of course, checking in is one of the ways you can notice that a gross distraction is happening. So, so if you deliberately check in at, on the beginning, on every in-breath, or I actually used to check in on the in-breath and at the beginning of the in-breath, at the end of the in-breath, at the beginning of the out-breath, at the end of the out-breath. Um, and just notice if your mind has started to get into a gross distraction. And if it has, see if you can release the gross distraction and go back to just the breath. Um, and if you can do that, then that's how you kind of establish the mental habit of not getting sucked into a gross distraction to the point where you forget. Yeah. Well, it feels kind of like, I, I don't often forget the breath. Uh, so, um, like only once or twice, uh, in an hour of meditation or so, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, completely, mm -hmm. uh, but, uh, but I forget to check in, uh, a lot. Uh, so I'm almost in stage four, but I can't check. Right. Out. So, so let me ask you this. Suppose you're, you're doing your practice and you forget to check in. Um, then what's going on? Um, I'm just trying to focus on the breath, but I'm, I'm probably a little bit distracted too. Like, okay. So you're having gross distractions. Yeah. And, and subtle distractions. Okay. Uh, I mean, if that's what your experience is, the other thing that I would question is whether you, whether checking in is the right thing to be doing. Because, um, you know, checking in is not something you continue to do through all of the stages. It's something you do in order to develop the introspective awareness that you need to adjust automatically. So if you're finding yourself, uh, it, I, I guess, the way I would think about this is if you're finding yourself like running off the road into, into gross distraction or running off the road into gross dullness, then that's why you would need to be checking in. If, if what's actually happening is you're sitting there and you're not running off the road into either of those things, but you're kind of staying in the, you know, you're like, you know, maybe you're swerving a little bit, but you're basically staying on the road, then um, checking in is probably not what you need to be doing right now. Uh, what you probably need to be doing is actually injecting some more energy into things to see if you can run off the road. And you do that by trying stage five practices. <laughs> and then, and then once, once you, once you've successfully managed to run off the road, then you have a problem to work with. Uh, yeah. Okay. I'll, I'll try, uh, I'll try both. 
uh, checking it more often and, and okay. trying to uh, inject more energy. Yeah, so about the checking it more often, do be aware that, that uh, one of the ways that you can get stalled in TMI practice is by practicing at too low a stage. So, or, and when I say too low a stage, I don't mean like, you know, you're at stage five permanently and you're never gonna fall back to stage four. I just mean, you need to test the boundaries a little bit. If you don't ever test the boundaries, you're not gonna, you're not gonna make progress because, you know, you don't know that you need to do yeah, something yeah. new. So, so give that a try. Yeah, I will. Thanks. Sure. There's a there's a nice document that uh, Kuladasa wrote that uh, like concisely summarizes when when one should try to practice in a follow up stage. Uh, I'll post a link in the chat here. There is also yeah, I, a spreadsheet on Reddit that summarizes all the the stages and when you should switch. Yeah, I definitely felt uh, like I was in stage four in, uh, this last weekend. And I've been doing stage four and stage five practices too, but sometimes I, I fall back into stage three, I think, uh, because I'm, I'm so distracted. Mm -hmm. But uh, anyway, I, I, I can never manage to consistently remember to check in. Yeah, it may be that part of the problem is that checking in isn't really what you need to do and there's a part of your mind that's aware of that. And so it just isn't prioritizing it. Yeah, maybe. So. Something to investigate. I mean, but try the try the the, the quick uh, checking in and see if that helps. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. So, uh, welcome, Adrian. Um, I have bad news for you. We're on summertime in the U.S., and so we're just about to close. But uh, it's good to see you. Uh, if you if you want to say something before we close, you're welcome to. No, no, I didn't realize that. <laughs> I thought. Okay. Okay. I'm so a little bit late, not a lot late. <laughs> I don't want to help. <laughs> all right. Well, it's it's great to see you all. Um, I think I think unless anybody has any last minute uh, thing they want to bring up, we should probably close. Ted, uh, can you, um, are you still posting these to uh, the Patreon? The recording. I'm, I've been actually uh, having some interesting stuff happening in my practice regarding motivation and have not uh, done anything. But I have all the recordings and and. Uh, uh, I, I've, uh, Rodrigo asked me to post today's recording, so that hopefully will stimulate me to actually do that. Okay. All right. Thanks. Sure. I do have a little question. Very yeah. Fast. Um, I, is it possible to give uh, to be a, uh, uh, to give the money to Kuladasa through the website and still be able to post questions? Because uh, I have to pay twenty-one percent in taxes because I'm in Europe. Right. So. Well, so uh, what I do is, uh, I mean, if you're, if I don't, it depends, like, like if your monthly donation is like five bucks or something like that, there's really not much point in worrying about it. If it's more than that, then, uh, then yeah, donate through the website and then just donate like a dollar on the Patreon and that gets you access. Uh, okay. That's the easiest thing to do. If you, if, if, if you'd rather, I mean, you can arrange with me privately for me to post your question and then I can send you a Zoom link if you want to join the chat, but that's kind of a hassle, so it's really easier if you can just do it through the Patreon. Okay, okay. Right? Okay. Thank you. All right. Well, it's been wonderful seeing you all, and uh, I, will, uh, I will try to post this chat because there's a lot of good information in the chat, and I'll try to get the audio up, So, uh, and hopefully I'll see some of you next week. I'll actually be flying to Prague on Wednesday, so... Uh, I should be able to show up on time 
on Saturday, but we'll see how it goes technically. Uh, so. Take care, everyone. <laughs>